everyone. Welcome to the latest installment of Lemonade. I'm your host, Zoe, and I'm here with London. And today we will be talking about Twilight. Is it our third? It's our third time trying to record this. It's fourth. been a fourth. It's our fourth time trying to record this. But today, here we are. We've made it. So I'm not at home currently, and I forgot my usual earbuds that I used to record, and I'm dun, working dun, off of dun. one AirPod. Okay, so today we're going to get into a couple different things. We're going to get into some of the iconic moments and highlights what our thoughts are on that, some controversial portrayals of certain situations, and also some just, like, general fuckery within Twilight specifically. Because there is a lot of fuckery. There is a lot of it. We're focusing primarily on the first movie of Twilight, aptly named Twilight, that came out in 2008. So... This is your chance to either pause and go watch it and then come back. Or if you were like us and have that whole movie memorized. You're prepared. Right. Awesome. <laughs> You've done your homework. Stay tuned. And now you get to listen to us. Yep. Break it down. So if you haven't seen or yep. don't remember, Twilight's about Bella, who's an awkward teen girl, and she falls in love with an 109-year-old vampire named Edward and basically throughout the film, it's she moves to Forks because her mother is, you know, going off to travel with her new hubby. And when she gets to Forks, she's like, she meets Edward and she's like, "Ooh, this is weird. What's going on? And eventually Bella and Edward get closer and they get to talking. And then she finds out the truth about Edward's his secret, his big secret. And then she's like, oh, I, I don't care. And they fall in love and it's cute. And then Bella gets into like some vampire drama. So that's what the film's about. Very fun, very messy, but let's really get into it because <laughs> there's a lot to be said. So before we get into a lot of the, the good old controversies, which is going to be most of this episode, I want to talk through a little of the very iconic moments and highlights. There are so many. There are a lot. And they have me gagged. I started reading our outline and I saw like the iconic moments and that's why I had said, I need to go rewatch this. So Bella confronts Edward about being a vampire. That's when she learns that he has been 17 for an undisclosed time, aka a while. Do with that information what you will. <laughs> yes. Um, also, it's the fluorescence. It's... The moment is so iconic just because of the way the scene plays out. Basically, they built this up the entire first half of the film with <laughs> Edward mysteriously disappearing. And, you know, he he moves so fast. He's acting like he <laughs> oh thinks so bad. Rewatching that scene, I'm like, why would they make Robert do this? You know what's so baffling to me, too, is that, like, this is also the time of, like, spirit deodorant surely bella was not smelling bad she could have smelled like blueberry bubble gum for all that it cares all that it matters it's just his reaction is so visceral <laughs> it really is she probably had on a spritz of like japanese cherry blossom from bath and body works like come on <laughs> it's probably like not even that like some natural lotion you can probably barely smell her like Bella's not even giving eye spritz on a little perfume in the morning True. she's a I just got up I you know I brush my hair I keep it cute I keep it simple yeah it's an iconic moment and it's the fact that what what's the what's the line what is the literal line he's like say it Bella 
say it. And them like running through the trees. <laughs> That's another iconic moment. Uh, Edward Cullen. The special effects. Oh, yes. Robert Pattinson being given five different lines to say and choosing Hang On Tight, Spider-Monkey. <laughs> Please. Oh, my God. Yeah. But that's not the only time that he's flying through things. There's also the baseball scene. Also classic. Very solid music choice. One of my favorites still to this the day. The confrontation in that scene is what is like in like the slow motion. Yes. The way that they glide like, in. Ooh. What's going to happen? It's just so funny. No, and then, like, the fact that the plot line is that these vampires, their favorite, like, American pastime is baseball. Iconic. True. He said, we're blending in. (laughs) We're doing it. That's true. Um, It took me until, like, four years, not even four years ago, like, three years ago to realize that the reason that they could only play baseball during a thunderstorm is because the crack of the ball against the bat sounded like yes like thunder almost i always thought that was like a really weird thing because it's like when in theory if it was being struck by so much force like yeah surely that ball is no more I right agree. like it would just i out. agree with you because there's no way that it's like ooh, this ball got hit really hard it's just so loud mm-hmm. like no it's a baseball like come on if it, you have to go out of your way to play in a remote area because the crack of your bat against like even with a steel bat, like is so loud. It's like I don't know. The, I just like, don't think all that like the laws of physics and this like the amount of force. The fact that neither the ball or the bat is having an issue with this doesn't add up. Right? It doesn't make sense that this is the sport it they could it play. At all. You know what would make more sense for me is if they like played like rugby or like football or something like that, but like only like they could play with each other because they have the like strength and speed and stuff to like be able to go up against each other but in that way the ball is not like really being affected that's true maybe that's what they do when it's not thunderstorming yeah and also why would they go out of their way to pick a sport that they would only be able to specifically play during this one time like they picked the most inconvenient sport i don't know they're all dressed up like 1920s losers yeah they go out of their way to like (laughs) <laughs> although i would still buy all of those outfits oh, this really is out of order edward saves bella from being hit by a car yeah that one's always wild to me too because it's like one of the what two black characters in this whole film for the first three films yeah okay so black characters have been making me so uncomfortable the entire film i don't know how many people notice but usually if there is a side black character in a lot of films they are an antagonizer for some reason they can't just be they have to like if they do get their little black person cameo they're usually the villain and if they're not the villain then there's a stereotype or so insignificant it doesn't matter regardless this man starts as a little antagonizer he's the first one who like says something a little snarky about bella he sexually assaults bella and then almost hits her with a truck wait wait hold on what did he do so she, when she first pulls up in our car, he says, oh, nice ride. Like, he's the first one to, like, kind of make a snarky comment at her. And, like, the girl, whoever she he's with is like, good one, good one. And then the next time when she first sits down in the cafeteria scene, the, her first day, um, you remember, like, Mike goes to sit next to her. And he's the one who comes up and, like, gives Bella a kiss on oh, the cheek yeah. and um, pulls the chair from out from under Mike. 
Oh, I forgot about that. And then the next time we see him, he's the one in the van recklessly driving and like almost hits Bella. Damn. So yes, this is not a good character. And then the next time we see him is in the hospital scene where she's getting checked out and he's like, I'm so sorry, Bella. And her dad's like, no, you're losing your license. So a very interesting portrayal of this random black character, I will say. It's um, giving Stephanie Meyer, I wouldn't make a black character anyone but the villain energy so (laughs) true it makes me want to like revisit the books and see if that was something that they even ever like brought up like was it was his race ever mentioned in the book or like i wouldn't know i wouldn't know i don't know i don't i don't know yeah let us know leave a comment (laughs) you know let us know (laughs) subscribe thank you like comment and subscribe that's so fucking wild to me too because it really like laron at least is like I don't know, like, kind of decent. He does have his little... But, like, Tyler was just, just fucked. Like, backtrack, try to, like, not really be good, but a little, like, I don't want to be a bad guy arc. I, yeah, he did yeah. have that. But, like, it's not redeeming of any means. Because isn't he in the second... Fucking, the, how dirty they did Twilight. Second movie and like immediately still a villain. Um, I'm not sure if I'm remembering that correctly, but I think because I'm pretty sure he comes in and then he's like because I think Victoria like kills him at some point or something. Yeah, Victoria's like you're in my way. Stop telling them about my plan. Fuck you. Oh, the whole meet the Cullen scene. Which scene? Bella, we made Italiano for you when she first goes over there home for dinner. Right, and she says, "I already ate." Yes, and then Rosalie goes out of her way to step in the salad that she just broke all over, and like with her little high heels. I don't know why I get that scene and like the first scene from the second film where she like where Jazz because I feel like that's the more memorable like dinner scene when like Jasper um, cuts herself in the second film. But when they meet, it is so awkward, <laughs> and that's when like Alice and Jasper show up like on a branch like they just hop into the house from a branch and then rosalie's just so angry that she ate before which is like like so nice to have made dinner but like i feel like it would be even more weird to sit in a house where no one is eating around you and like just be the only one eating yes for you that was like a thing i noticed when i was re-watching the scene where um she orders her mushroom soup (laughs) the iconic mushroom soup (laughs) And she's like, you're not going to eat. And then it made me think of like how awkward I always feel. Like, I don't like if I'm going to do something and I'm like in a social setting. Wait, isn't it mushroom ravioli? I pretty sure she said, here's your mushroom soup. I'm I'm like mushroom. Hold on. Let me go to the scene. Here it is. Mushroom ravioli. Yeah, it's giving soup. So after that whole situation, there was also, there was the dance at prom. Honestly, that last scene of Victoria walking down the stairs, letting her hair out. Love it. Bad bitch. Honestly, that Victoria over the other Victoria till the day that I die for no specific reason that I liked her curl pattern and her hair better. Who's the other Victoria? The first Victoria and then the second Victoria. The second, like after Twilight, that original girl never came back. Oh, it's a different girl? Oh, yeah. And I like the first one a lot better. Oh, okay. So it was Rochelle Lefebvre. How do you say that? For a second, I thought you meant there was just like literal like versions, different versions of her in the plot. I'm like, did she like respond? 
but I understand what you're saying. Different actresses. That's so funny. Okay. Yes. Okay. I did say that right. <laughs> awesome. So the first one was Rachel Lefebvre and then Bryce Dallas Howard was the second one, which I feel like she's been in a ton of stuff now recently. Oh, she's so familiar. She was in, um, 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 crazy. Well, I've seen her in Jurassic World, but Black Mirror. Yep. That was her. But I like the first one better just because I like the way that they did her hair a lot better. I think it looked so good because it was like really cute. Like, let me see. I need to see a clip of her in Twilight. I can't believe Fast forward to the very end and watch her walk down the stairs. She like lets out her hair. Oh, see, the thing with that, too, is that she I like the costuming of her a lot better because they like gave her the first shawl and like made her kind of look very like pristine and put together. But also like girly was still nomadic so she like she had her own thing <laughs> and then also i don't know i think one of the things with that too is like that's also when bella is like change me right here change me and edward's like no bitch like you can wait a second i'm not gonna kill you i have a conscience and i have a soul and i'm not gonna let it i'm not gonna kill it i'm like sir you're literally dead like what is happening I'm literally dead um yeah it's you're literally dead <laughs> Also, you're like 109 dating this 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 17-year-old. Like, what are you doing? He he belongs in jail. At some point in this episode, I probably will rant about how Edward belongs in jail. But that scene is interesting because it's like, as Bella keeps begging for it more and more, it's like, calm down, bitch. And it like emphasizes for me how young she is. Literally. Like every single time. And it's like... So dramatic it's so funny because i know that like part of the reason <laughs> edward was um so intrigued by bella is because from his perspective she just comes off so much more mature than like other teenagers and it's like to me i'm like how can you not see that this girl is like still a baby you know what i mean <laughs> she's literally begging you for dick like at the end like, of the day that is what's yes. happening and yes. i will die in that hill oh she is so needy for dick and crazy that she's needy for dick but as we see there is never any fucking and you want to know why because no one can fuck in this film unless they're married so when i was looking up like the ways that mormon religion plays into twilight just outside of the whole like long skirts quick marriage kids at like immediately after marriage like the fact that she didn't even really even show her knees until she was married like, she did, but, like, not really. I was also looking up that, like, apparently Mormons believe that angels are resurrected. And there's this hypothesis out there that Edward is literally an angel. Like, the angel that came to save her. And I just thought that was really interesting. Because it's like, is that why he's so sparkly and weird? Sparkly and weird. <laughs> like, is he literally the angel? Because he's also immortal. Like, that's another thing that they believe in, too, is, like, this kind of eternal marriage. Like, you're with this person even after you die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if the ideal thing is eternity, because she always brings up also like, I like, I want to be with you forever and the whole forever and eternal, like eternity as like a measurement of time. It's never for the rest of my life. It's always like eternity. That is interesting. Um, Very interesting that he's supposed to be depicted like the theory that he might be an angel, considering the fact that he's like a vampire and his whole shtick is like, I'm a monster. And like, usually that's supposed to like be a direct foil of like angels and things like that. And you would think he, it would be the other way around. So interesting how like Stephanie kind of shifted that 
percept or like with that portrayal wanted to shift that perception i suppose but i think that also leans into like the whole idea of like edward essentially is this monster and like if he's supposed to be portrayed or like in line with like a portrayal of like what an angel might be in like mormon religion of like romanticizing his behavior romanticizing him as like a monster and romanticizing all of these things of like a controlling patriarchal force like edward was for bella in terms of like oh i always need to protect you whenever there's a situation going on i don't need to tell you anything it's for your safety and things like that so there's a lot to get into with a relationship from the fact and we've mentioned this before from the fact that edward is over 100 years old and bella is 17 why the fuck is an 18 year old imprinting on a baby a literal baby literally it's so concerning to start to give me my two minutes on edward it is so obvious the difference in like age and maturity between these two characters every step of the way bella is impulsive she just wants to know everything and she doesn't understand the severity of like becoming a vampire literally dying and then committing to like being with someone forever she is 17 that makes sense Edward is over a hundred years old. I'm watching this. I was just rewatching Twilight. The first thing Edward asked her is how you feel about the weather. If Bella was like, why the fuck are you asking me about the weather? Because this is an old man, an old fucking man coming in with how's the weather? How you feel about it? He is an old man. And it's so interesting that like he's watching Bella and he's like, oh, she's so special because she's a teenager who doesn't give a fuck about prom and all these things that are supposed to like elevate Bella to her le- to his level. At the end of the day, he she is 17 and he's literally over 100 and you can tell. And I just don't understand in what way this relationship seems natural to anyone. And also, the, the, Jacob's a creepy uncle, okay? <laughs> this is true this is true this is true we're gonna get into that in a second oh my goodness yeah Mm. also like edward is so possessive and controlling you know when we like all first watched the twilight movie and i feel like a vast majority of people were like oh how sweet like he comes into her room and watches her sleep and she like she doesn't even know and that was like before they kind of started talking too like it's so disturbing (laughs) to hear bella say that's the first night I started dreaming of Edward. So weird. No, babe. He's in your window. You're not dreaming of anything. <laughs> There's a literal creeper in your fucking window. And as a 100-year-old man, he should understand that that type of behavior is not acceptable. It's so even weird. If he, even if he feels some type of draw to her, even if he's like, oh, I want to protect her, you should understand as a grown-ass 109-year-old man that it is not acceptable for you to stand in anybody's window, especially, especially a teenage girl's window. I know that he may look 17 and everyone's like, oh, maybe he didn't progress mentally. At the end of the day, yes, he did. Yes, he literally did. The whole, like, part of his whole shtick is that he's literally, like, he doesn't act like a 17-year-old. If anyone tries to come at me and say that, like, oh, well, they don't progress, like, mentally, he's also still 17. No, he isn't. He literally isn't. We could, there's proof that they can learn and grow over time, especially in, like, mature, especially even if their frontal lobe didn't fucking finish developing. Absolutely not. You are 100. Right? And you've been here 100 years, and you should know better. He's so weird. 
He's so weird. He's so weird. It's also like, I think about the fact of he's so concerned with her hurting herself because she's so clumsy, whatever. Like there's a lot to unpack there. But the fact that it's like probably the safest thing she could ever be doing is sleeping soundly in her bed, right? Surely she's not getting up and walking around or whatever. Like, why does he find that this is such a big deal for him that he like needs to be there? It's also the fact he wouldn't even need to be in the window. You know what I mean? Even if he gave like regular stalker vibes and just like watch from out front, he can literally hear. He doesn't need to literally be at her window. No, literally in the corner of her room, like staring at her. You know what I mean? Like, right. Exactly. That's so intense. For what? Why? Why? Yeah, literally. Literally. Like, is this your possession? Like, this is some girl you met three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Edward then following her to the city. We'll get into this in a second, but Bella actively ditches all of her friends when she like realizes that she has Edward's attention. But like also again, her friends are kind of shitty because, you know, they all want to go to where was it? They were it was in Olympia, was it? Where was it? What to shop? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Port Angeles. The one time that she's ever really hanging out with her friends is to go to Port Angeles to go prom dress shopping with her friends. And even then, the entire time that she's there, she's like super checked out. She just wants to get to the bookstore to buy the book and find out about the cold ones. Like, why? You know, that's my question. It's a shock to me that Bella even has friends. And maybe it is a good thing that Edward was there in some instance, because surely her friends did not care about her considering her friends like by the time that she found them again we're like oh like we didn't know where you went so we already had dinner and we're heading home now it's like you're not concerned for her really yes the poor angela stuff makes me mad because when bella's like separated from her friends and it's night and it's after she's left the bookshop she's one walking down a dark ass alley by like taking shortcuts by herself which is like for anyone who's ever gone anywhere and lived in like a not so safe place but I just feel like in general as like a young woman walking around you should know better than to do shit like that so that made me mad but also the thing about her friends I think it made sense for Bella to separate from them and like during all the build-up you can kind of see that Bella's checked out from her friends anyway they are very much shitty because they went to dinner without looking for her or thinking of her at all and it's like You didn't think, hey, it's a little late. We should see where Bella is. You know what I mean? Very much so not good friends. Her dynamic with her friends is weird throughout all of the films anyway. It's like Jessica's just... Yeah, I think it's the fact she shows up and she's the new girl. So she just like hangs out with whoever takes her under her wing because they're like all in her face. But very interesting that she like stays friends with them especially after like getting in I feel like she doesn't even she's not even friends with them because she wants to be friends with them it's like she's friends with them out of convenience because I think Charlie would combust if her only friend was her boyfriend because it's not like she ever checks in with them sees how they are unless she's like girly was like manic depressed for literally three months and it's (laughs) it killed me in the second film where she's like hanging out with jessica and jessica's like you know i've been going through my own shit too and i'm like that's so real that's so valid jessica true true we're talking a little bit about new moon we're talking a little about obviously about like twilight i want to put into perspective the general timeline of events because i don't think a lot of people realize that twilight takes place over two years and out of those two years edward is gone for six of those months 
So in all reality, they really only know each other for a year and a half before they're married and have their first kid. Okay. As it follows, in January of 2005 is when they meet. That's when Bella shows up and they like witness each other for the first time. In March of that same year, Bella meets the Cullen family and is injured by James. January to May is when and all of Twilight happens. And Edward's gone for like some of that. As That's well. true. That's true. Yeah. He had to go hiking with his family. because yeah, he disappears. There's the first time, yes. And then like he also disappears. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is true. Yeah. A short, what, five months? Yeah. April, May. Yeah. Okay. So five months. They go to prom in May 2005. Edward leaves her in September of 2005. He's done with her. He's going to go kill himself. He's having a hard time with himself. Whatever. Bella doesn't leave her house until December of 2005. September to December is when, like, she's going through it. We all know that scene. That scene. (laughs) Iconic. Uh, Happens every fall. And then in January of 2006 is when... Like, Bella and Jacob start hanging out more frequently because Charlie's like, you're freaking me out. I don't know what to do with you. All you do is scream in your sleep and sit there and stare at walls. I don't know what's happening to you and I don't know what to do with you. March of 2006 is when Jacob starts ignoring Bella and she's like, oh my God, like no one loves me. And then she goes cliff diving because she's also still trying to find that like adrenaline rush. This is also the same month that Edward tries to kill himself so publicly in front of the Volturi. And Edward's like, I'll change you if and only if you marry me. So now we're about like a year in or so, you know, this is obviously kind of the end of of New Moon. Start of Eclipse, it is May 2006. Uh, Victoria shows up to get her revenge. The whole vampire newborn army is alive and well. This is when Bella breaks her hand, punching Jacob in the face after he kisses her. They also, they get engaged. The Cullen... I always forget about a clip. I know. It's my least favorite. <sighs> Awful film. It really is. Well, so all of this entire movie happens in May of 2006. So, like, again, like, we're talking only, like, a year and a half-ish after they know each other. So Bella breaks her hand after punching Jacob. Then they get engaged, and the Cullen family and the wolves fight off Victoria and her army. And then Jacob goes missing again. And then in August of that year, um, when Bella and Edward are married and they head to Isle Esme, um, she gets pregnant and heads home. August of 2006 is when Bella and Edward are married. They head to Isle Esme. She ends up pregnant and then they like freak out, head home. In September of that year, Bella's drinking blood. She breaks her spine. It's a whole thing. She also turned 19 years old. Hooray! This is also when, of course, Renesmee is born and Jacob and Prince on her and Bella becomes a vampire. There's, it's a very busy month. In December of 2006, the Cullens bring the vampire friends in to fight the Volturi because they're like super scared. And then in January of 2007, Edward is finally allowed to read Bella's mind for the first time. So that's kind of like where it all ends. Again, they have been together for two years. We are talking... They meet in January of 2005, and then finally in January of 2007 is where everything ends. Edward was gone for six months of those, obviously a little bit more. She is 19 at this time in age. I would feel like a child bride if I got married, and I was only 19. I don't know how she's doing it. They truly just don't know each other that long. That this is just so insane. Yeah, it's wild. Like, if we factor in all the time that Edward is gone, they probably spend about, like, a year or less of time together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As an actual couple. 
before and not even a year together as an actual couple before like marriage and like yeah this is it yeah it's it's insane it's insane honestly for their sake i hope their brains (laughs) never mature because fuck them how the fuck no because if all of this is happening and she's 19 imagine she does mature by the time she gets like 10 years in this bitch she's gonna be like what the fuck did i do i mean then she can kind of like go off and do her own thing. you know what i mean she can pull an alice and then just like go wander until she finds her true love true and their baby will probably be grown the baby will be grown i thought the baby was grown and like by the end of like breaking dawn was she grown i think so or she was like 17 which i don't think she turns into like a full adult i saw her which is also suspicious she might have been there might have been a clip with her as a teen um maybe okay so she has aged at least five years in the span of like a few months and then the other vampire hybrid kid stopped growing when he was seven so obviously I feel like a lot of that has to do with religion. Just again, like there's a lot, there's a lot there. Let's get into some of the issues with how the Quillet tribe is represented and all of that. So like, obviously during the entire series, Jacob is always like, he's got to be the nice guy. He is like, I don't know. He like still gets pissy with Bella because he's not like choosing her. He always wants to be the bigger person. He always wants to be better. He's always, like, trying to save her from Edward, which I think is kind of interesting because, like, she's doing it to herself, (laughs) objectively. Jacob is a friend of Bella's from the film, who she knew when she was younger from the first film. And throughout the movies, he really does transform from, like, oh, just another, like, a friend that Bella can have to, like, being aggressively stuck on, like being with her despite her own assurance that she does not want him (laughs) and it's borderline it's not borderline it is creepy but the film wants you to believe like it's borderline like oh this is okay this is cute his behavior is literally despicable i think that like goes into like one what you're gonna get into about the tribe things but also stephanie meyer's portrayal of people of color in general and like always the villain always very morally questionable i will say (laughs) so the quillette so part jacob is part of the quillette tribe the quillette tribe is a real tribe they do not share a lot of the of similar mythology that is within the film so like the cold ones aka vampires are not in any sort of story that they are engaged with Like, that's not part of their culture. The cold ones are not part of their culture. Similarly, also, I think about there was like a mix of myths from their culture and other cultures, like other indigenous histories. One of them being the tattoo that was used in the film as like the tribal tattoo was used and then redesigned without any sort of compensation for the design in very traditional movie history type very traditional movie fashion yeah i think it's very wild of her to want to like base this on a real tribe but then go ahead and say oh okay for some reason in her story she wanted to include these people okay fine but then go ahead and like twist their mythology Mm -hmm. to make it fit her plot and kind of like use that culture to like push her narrative which i think is like just very bold and out there to say, hey, there's these people who have this deep, rich history or this culture. Why don't I use that to make my little fantasy 
book about this random white woman, matter of fact, who falls in love with this random white vampire. You know what I mean? Very... And, like, constantly, they're always seen as so violent and so over-the-top and also so hypersexualized. Like, there's no reason that the second that Jacob turns into a werewolf is, like, he's just shirtless always. There's no reason for a 16-year-old Taylor Lautner to have been wet dream like in the wet dreams of like many of literally like, ass women and that's all i'm gonna say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's that's just yeah yeah definitely you know? definitely <laughs> and then like i don't know i just think about the fact that they're like so so aggressive she really has an, an issue with making people of color very very mean very aggressive very over the top from tyler to Laurent, I feel like, wasn't that aggressive. Laurent's, like, the exception, I feel like. And he also had, like, locks in, and I always thought that was an interesting ad. Yeah, I don't know. There's no reason that everything needs to be so violent. And, like, the fact of, like, I even think of, like, wasn't it Leah who had the big scar in her face from when, like, what's-his-face? Was it Sam? Yeah, just portraying them, like, as very violent, unable to, like, control themselves. Which is so interesting, considering, like, if... You would think, like, if the Cullens are capable of, like, finding a way to, like, not eat humans, that the werewolves, after a certain amount of time of, like, this being a legacy and, like, a trait of their tribe, to be able to, like, at least to some extent control their anger or something like that. But irregardless, like, there's just the incessant portrayal of, like, Jacob as, like, aggressive, and you see that in, like, his relationship with Bella, his like inability to take no for an answer and like yeah yeah it's just- i even think of like leah's scar on her face is so prevalent in the films where it's like bella was literally attacked by a vampire mm-hmm. she should have been left with a scar and she doesn't have she doesn't have anything to show for it no scar and it was like anytime that she was attacked yeah it was we like, get this like constant reminder exactly. from Leah. anytime that she was attacked or anything happened to her it was always on like her hand or her arm or whatever like it wasn't anything like a place that mattered where like leah's was on her face which i feel like is just a very interesting placement of like oh he could have like freaked out anywhere on her on her body i don't know like he could have basically scarred anywhere on her and it's yeah, it, on body. and like it was it was her face. It was her fucking face. Like, it's a thing that everyone sees, too. So it's like, I don't know if that was, like, intentional. I'm sure it wasn't, but... Yeah, I think... I feel like, to some extent, like, they really do further the notion that, like... Like, I think there's this underlying theme of, like, oh, the werewolves might be the ones who are, like, yeah, dangerous. But, like, on the flip side, the entire like serious is trying like to Bella's like literally trying to be killed this entire series against, and you're gonna tell me that the werewolves are- yeah and it's like trying to yeah they're supposed to be the dangerous ones meanwhile the vampires the whole like series is trying to get us to like change our perspective of like oh we're getting really intimate with edward and he has this soul and like like we're like his character specifically is made so that they aren't trying to try to shift that perspective of like them just mm-hmm. being monsters and so the narratives, it's like good guy versus bad guy. And like back to Stephanie Meyer's comment, I don't know where she stands today, but last I heard POC ca- characters only get to be villains. Did she really so, say that? She might have specifically said uh, black people. 
I think she said, <laughs> bro, it was wild. I think, she, let's see. Let's see she if I can find get it. out more. I think it was like, I would never. Um, what are you doing? I would never cast them as a as anyone but the villain. Oh, I think she did help out with casting. Never mind. Yes. Twilight author would only agree to cast black actor if he played a villain. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's a choice. And not a good one. What the fuck? Like Oh, it's Miss Catherine who like exposed her, I think. That tracks. Of course. Our I queen. will I will die on the hill that Catherine Hardwick is one of the best directors of this generation. I also want to point out that Catherine Hardwick's niece is Oh yeah, I remember reading this. Hardwick wanted the vampires to actually be like different ethnicities. And which they could have been. There's no reason they had to all be white considering it was just random people that like Carlisle decided to turn. So yeah, she speaks about wanting Alice to be Japanese, which tracks with like her Mm -hmm. aesthetic in the film. I see that. Even if you look at her sketches too, I think, because, okay, so I was one of the crazy Twilight fans that had the director's notebook, which how real it was, I don't know. But like in the sketches that she was like, when she was trying to figure out like costuming and all of that, she literally like, Alice looks Asian. I feel like that would have fit. There's no reason that they all needed to be white. No reason. None. According to Hardwick, Meyer finally agreed to having Kenyan-born actor play Laurent was only because he was described as having olive skin. And then Hardwick was like, there's black olives out there. That's so insane. Oh my God. Go Catherine Hardwick. Oh, she did. She did Sisterhood of the Traveling. Yeah, she did. That's iconic. Okay, Cassie. 13 is with, it's like very loosely based off of, so it was with. Is it when all those people get no. pregnant? No. No, 13 is with, um, who plays Rosalie? What's her name? Was it spelled out 13 or was it like the number? Like spelled out 13. Rosalie Hale. Um, what the hell is her name? Nikki Reed. So Nikki Reed is the niece of Catherine Hardwick. And they did 13 before that was like very loosely based off of Nikki Reed's life growing up. She's, it was not a good life. So I think that's really interesting, but also like Catherine Hardwick, the budget for Twilight was so low and she really, she did, she did wonders off of the budget. The budget was like $0 and zero cents and she killed it. Honestly, she did fantastic. Yeah. I think the main thing is she really just wanted the whole white cast. And Hardwick was even trying to be nice. She was like, well, she probably only saw it, was used to seeing it that way. And she never saw it with like POC. But why didn't you ever see it with POC? Hmm? Hmm, Stephanie? Yeah, literally. Like, think harder. Come on. Do better. Yeah, I think this is definitely a story that could have, like, it's definitely an story that would not have had an issue with like blind casting. Oh, you know yeah. What I mean, yeah, there's no reason for that. Maybe not um, the Confederate soldier, but everyone else. Why? <laughs> yeah. Everyone else. Jasper. There's no reason yeah. for a Confederate soldier to be in there. Why? There never really is. There never really is. But yet here they always are. Like, who is turning all these Confederate soldiers into vampires? Carlisle? Wasn't it Maria? Oh, he didn't turn him. Oh, Alice found him. Yes. Yeah, it was Maria. So, because Maria was trying to, like... Maria Maria. (laughs) Maria was trying to build up the army. 
And James turned Alice like years and years and years before. While I was rewatching it today, I saw um, Jasper in one scene and this is the first time I thought he was attractive. And I'm like, damn, they got me attracted to a Confederate soldier. The colonizers got me. They really getting me. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that this man is a Confederate soldier and there's this i didn't watch the video i know i sent the video to you but like there's this video of someone talking about like um vampires and like how there's multiple vampires not just in twilight but i think there's one in vampire diaries that's also like supposed to be a confederate soldier and how there's this narrative of like these vampires being confederate soldiers and like why is that something that people try to like still portray these confederate soldiers as like good wholesome characters you know what i mean (laughs) and like modern times it's like this isn't adding up like what's this narrative y'all are pushing (laughs) for sure oh wait wait there is one thing that i want to talk about with the tribe so the only thing that i really also want to mention is that throughout the entire film series the quillette people never received any sort of compensation whatsoever they had tourists try to come through they were so popular Probably, honestly, one of, like, the most notable tribes, like, ever coming out of a movie series. And they received zero compensation. Nothing. No no real recognition. No real anything. They just... Twilight took it all from them. Also, just on a note on casting, too. Like, there was never any reason for Jacob to not have been cast as an indigenous person, but like enough of, I mean, like later in the films, obviously they were casting some literally the only yeah, person. like indigenous people, but <laughs> Jacob was not, he's a white man. He's a white man. Yeah. Those racially ambiguous people get us every single time. He's just tan. I don't even think he's racially ambiguous. I think he's just he's tan. Just so tan. <laughs> like, he is just saying that's why he's racially ambiguous enough to like get away with shit like that though that's fair is it a tan white person or is it someone who's black like he's just tan enough <laughs> yeah so basically the all the relationships are fucked up so fucked up yeah overall there needs to be more compensation for the quillette tribe yes i'm gonna include some links in the yes. show notes so that you can compensate the quillette tribe especially if you're someone who was very into twilight they could they could take some coins. Also, like a lot of us who are very into Twilight and who went to all the midnight premieres and did all of that, we have our own money now. We can use it to be good people in the world. So think about that. There's no reason for people to be portrayed in the way that they were. There's no reason that if you are over the age of 100 that you need to be marrying, impregnating, and having a whole family with uh, someone who is 17 to 19 years old. Um, Think about that for a minute. And yeah, think critically when you're watching the Twilight movies, because I think there's a lot more to them than we ever cared to really get into. Or if you just want to watch it and like have a good time, you can do that too, I guess. Yeah, I would say overall, fun story, fun narrative. Is it my most watched movie? Yes. (laughs) Think a little bit deeper about what's being portrayed in front of you. I think, and I think it's important that while, yes, like Zoe said, we can still enjoy these films, but also it's important to think critically about them and not only enjoy the stories, but, you know, reflect and see what we can learn and like donate to the tribe because, hey, you didn't know they existed before this film, but now you do. That's true. That's very true. And you watch them be exploited all over the screen for however many years twilight ran 
So, and they're still being exploited. There's an argument. They're still being exploited. The films exist. They're still being exploited. So, as long as you're watching, yep. donate. Give out those coins. Open your purse. Give. If you can sexualize a non-Indigenous white man playing an Indigenous person. If you were Team Jacob, you need to give more money. That's the end of story. Yes. <laughs> yes. End of story. That's, that's our takeaway. Yes. If you were Team Jacob. Do better. You owe somebody some coins. <laughs> yes. No, it's so devastating to find out he was really white because he was passionate. <laughs> he really was. He really was. He got a lot of people. From a very, like, just as people watching this and not really thinking about it and being like, oh, that's a man and he has long hair and he's tan. Yes. Is this, is this brown face? Could we say? <laughs> Would you consider indigenous people brown? Was Taylor Lautner doing brown face? Yeah, that's what I'm I don't know what kind of face this is, <laughs> but it's a face. I don't know what kind of face it's giving. <laughs> I went with brown <laughs> But it's giving not your face. It's giving POC face. I don't know if they have a name. It's giving BIPOC face. Um, because it's giving, yeah, like it's not, it's it's past appropriation. It's giving face, but um, it's, yeah, yeah, to be determined. Yeah. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making this episode a reality after so many trials and tribulations. I hope that my audio sounds okay, given that I had to change both microphones and entire devices halfway through. And if you're watching, fantastic. If you're ratty, I'll see you in the sewer. Bye, everyone. Stay hot, stay horny, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.